Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Kevin Stevens, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks, Mark. Great to be here. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Oh, I'm excited about this one. This is uh, this is a, a, a we're going to talk about a product that I've heard a lot about recently. Um, people in the Entree Architect community talk about it all the time. So this is going to be fun to sort of hear the background. Uh, about this product and, and why and how it's been developed. But before we jump into that, um, let me introduce you. Uh, Kevin Stevens started programming on an Apple II Plus at the age of four, which established his love for technology. Uh, after earning his degree in computer science at the University of California, San Diego, Kevin spent time as a software engineer at Apple before joining Google in its early days. He was there on a variety, working on a variety of projects and products, um, and helped build Google's presence internationally. He later co-founded and led Blink, the first consumer ephemeral text messaging app, which was acquired by Yahoo. And then Kevin uh, subsequently led product teams at GoToMeeting and Thumbtack before joining his, taking on his current role and joining Occipital as CEO. Occipital, uh, Kevin leads is there's two business units there. It's Canvas and Structure. And Canvas is the, the software, the app that many of us know. Uh, it's an app that saves uh, home improvement professionals and architects uh, days of work on every project by turning a simple iPhone or an iPad 
scan into accurate measurements through its scan to CAD service. So we've we've been talking about it a little bit in the Entree Architect community. Uh, people ask about it all the time, see how it works and, and, and why it works and all of those kind of things. So we have the man right here to talk about it. And so I'm interested in, and excited about this conversation. Before we jump into Canvas, uh, I want to know more about you, Kevin. I want to know uh, where you started with all of this. What inspired you at the beginning and, and maybe who inspired you? How did you get to where you are today? Share your origin story. Yeah, thanks, Mark. I really appreciate uh, the the intro, and and again, appreciate you having me on on the show. Um, you know, I uh, I guess my story goes back to when I was uh, when I was pretty young. As you you mentioned, I was I was about four years old when I learned to program on an Apple II Plus, and uh, shortly thereafter, um, uh, plugged the plugged the Apple II Plus into this robot and used some of the code that I wrote to, to make the robot move around. And I just thought that was really cool. Yeah. And uh, that's still, and that's, it, even today, that's cool. It's still cool today. Exactly. <laughs> we don't, we don't need cables anymore, but, uh, but yeah, you can still do that today. And it's, and it's pretty exciting. Um, so I've been, I've been excited about technology since I was, I was very young. Um, you know, I've, I had also always been excited by the stories that I read about entrepreneurs like Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs, who, who co-founded Apple. Um, and, you know, even I even wrote a college college essay about them uh, when I was applying for schools, um, wrote another college essay about uh, a technology entrepreneur named Richard Garriott. Who uh, who built um, this company that made a lot of the lot of the uh, the video games that I loved playing? So I've just I've just always been excited about technology, uh, and um, and its applications. So I uh, I studied computer science at UCSD and wrote wrote code while I was there, and and eventually found that you know one of the things I enjoyed doing most was actually you know instead of uh, writing the actual software, figuring out how we could apply technology to solving users' problems, um, figuring out problems that different users and, and people had, and what's a technology solution that can, that can uh, solve that problem or make the, that person's life better. Um, so I spent the bulk of my career as a product manager, uh, which is basically the person in the technology company that, that looks for customer problems and, and analyzes data on those problems and figures out how to, uh, how to solve that problem with technology. Um, and that led me to uh, uh, to the career that, that you talked about, and um, ultimately to Occipital, where when the company approached me, um, you know, one of the first things that I, I noticed about the product was just uh, it was a really cool, exciting application of technology. Uh, the first time I scanned a, a room in my house um, and eventually got back, you know, a, a, a CAD model and a, a 2D output as well of of that house it was just this this aha moment of wow, this is, you know, who needs a tape measure anymore? And uh, that, that was ultimately what, what led me to, to join the company. So they, I'm super interested about this product. Uh, it, it's, it's one of those things that look like magic when you use it. Um, so can you, can you explain before we even jump into uh, the product itself, what Canvas is and, then, and, and a little bit of its origin story? How did it start and why was it started? Yeah, sure. So Canvas is um, basically an app that lets you take a simple scan of a room or a whole house, which is basically like effectively just taking a video of that, that space. And we use computer vision um, to turn that scan into a CAD output in formats that, um, that architects use, um, SketchUp, Revit, 2020, Chief Architect, and so on. Um, 
the idea behind it is to uh, capture the existing conditions of a house um, and to get uh, all these measurements that you might take hours, sometimes even days capturing. We can do that in the span of a few minutes um, just with using uh, using an iPhone or an iPad. Um, we use LiDAR. Uh, the, the, the new devices from Apple have LiDAR in them, which helps us take really, really accurate measurements. Um, and uh, that helps uh, create additional accuracy in the, in the output as well. In terms of um, where the product came from, the you know Canvas's origin story, um, ultimately it goes back several years. You know, as as three D sensing came to more everyday devices, um, allowing these devices to to see in three D and in measurements, when not just in photos, which is what they had done for years, the home was where that technology was going to be most useful. Um, uh, is is how sort of the, the the team thought about this. You know, your home is filled with everyday spatial decisions. You know, where, where am I gonna put this? Is it gonna fit here? Is my partner gonna like it? You know, you're constantly making decisions about your space. So your phone having a 3D understanding of your home means it can start to, to solve those, those problems for you. Um, now before LiDAR, uh, LiDAR was, uh, began being integrated into Apple devices uh, maybe about a couple of years ago. Um, before LiDAR and, and accurate 3D sensing came to the iPhone and the iPad, um, we actually had to make a device that would bridge that gap, um, that would provide that level of accuracy. But that device cost several hundred dollars to make, and then in turn, several hundred dollars to, that we had to pass on to the consumer that they would have to pay to buy. And nobody's going to do that to decide if a couch is going to fit in their living room. So, uh, so we turned our focus to, to professionals, to uh, specifically to architects, general contractors, interior designers, and so on, who needed to measure uh, those spaces and visualize those changes to those spaces. Um, as LiDAR emerged, uh, the product now is basically one that you can simply download. As long as you have a LiDAR device, you can simply download it. Um, and our customers ultimately began telling us what they needed the most was turn all those measurements that we would give them into an as-built in the form of an editable, you know, usable CAD file. So, so we built uh, the, uh, the ScanCAD service to, to save, uh, save users time ultimately. I could have used this about 25 years ago when I started. That's how I started was doing existing conditions uh, as a young architect, before I started my firm, sort of that transition zone be between working for somebody else and starting my own practice, uh, oh, it would have been so, <laughs> so easy to just you know pull out my phone and 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 scan it. Um, could can you just for some background explain lidar and what lidar is and why it works on with your software? Yeah, so lidar is um, it stands for light detection and ranging. Um, it basically is a way of taking measurements uh, very, very quickly by sending invisible light pulses out uh, quickly. Um, everybody uh, who's ever gotten a speeding ticket knows what LiDAR is. Um, it, is uh, it is the modern way uh, that police use to figure out how fast you're going. Um, and it's basically a, a, an invisible beam of light. Um, the other technology that's also relevant is, uh, is computer vision which uh, in short is, is teaching machines to see. So CV is how machines like your, you know, your phone or a self-driving car see, understand, and interact with the world. Um, you, use, you use CV every day when you unlock your, your iPhone with your face ID, that's, that's computer vision. Your iPhone has to see your face, it has to understand who it is, and it has to respond accordingly. So when you combine uh, LiDAR, which is getting all these measurements, and CV, which is teaching the machine to actually see, um, you get some some pretty powerful technology. So with the computer vision, with CV, the, the computer, the phone, is actually seeing through the camera, seeing what you're measuring, 
and then the LIDAR is actually doing the measuring, and those two c technologies together create this accurate composition? Yeah, more or less. Yeah, that's more or less exactly how it works. We, yeah, the, we're combining the, the teaching of the phone, how to see, and using the measurements that we're picking up from LIDAR uh, to put together this accurate, um, this 99% uh, accurate model of, of a home. I remember when Canvas was first introduced that there was an accessory that you had to buy, right? There was something that you had to clip on your iPad, and it was only iPad, I think, at the time. Um, and you ha and then that that accessory was what actually allowed you to make these these measurements. Is that right? And yeah, exactly. So it's it's called the structure sensor, and it's something that we actually do uh, do offer. Although that that business is uh, turned into a new business, which is more for medical professionals and so on. But back in the day, you're right that the structure sensor was the only way um, that you could capture those measurements with any degree of accuracy. You know, the, the product still works with an ordinary, uh, what we call mono capture with an ordinary phone, um, but it's much, much less accurate. With LiDAR, you get you get that level of accuracy and the structure sensor was what provided that level of accuracy before LiDAR became, became integrated with everyday phones. So the structure sensor that, I'm assuming that did not use LiDAR, that probably used some other technology or was it using LiDAR? Uh, it's yeah, it's using, or is uh, using. yeah, it's it's using uh, lidar slash laser in in some way. Yeah, there's uh, it's a little bit different than than what might be on your on your phone exactly, but but the principle is, is the same. Right, and then then Apple came or lots of phone companies manufacturers introduced lidar on their phones, and so you no longer need to do that. Yeah, exactly. Have the structure sensor. And we hope more will do it. You know, we get a we get a lot of requests for uh, for when are you going to be on on Android. You know, it's it's a question of we want to make sure that you know that the product works best when it has lidar capability, and we want to make sure that that our customers are not you know that they're they're getting frankly a high as high a level of accuracy as we can possibly give them. Um, so as lidar continues to be released on more devices, it'll become more ubiquitous. But right now, you know, Apple's kind of led the way on that, and um, which is why it's on the on the higher end, uh, higher end iPhones and iPads. Yeah, and that's probably a big struggle from a from a startup point of view, right? You're you're creating this technology. Technology is not perfect at first. People try that technology. It's not exactly you know as good as you had hoped it might be. And then through the years, it gets better and better and better. And so now you have to go back and find some of those people who have tried it to try it again, right? And so that's where you are today because it's working now much more, well, it worked then too, but it's much more accurate today than it was when you first introduced it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, huge problem. You, you, you capture the, the crux of any startup founders, you know, or startup CEOs challenge, which is, you know, the... Um, uh, the technology is not always on pace with, you know, the problems that we're, we're trying to solve and so on. And it's true that back in the day, you know, people might have tried Canvas and said, oh, it's, you know, I like the principle, the idea in principle, but just doesn't do quite the level of what I need it to do. As that technology has developed, as LiDAR has become more ubiquitous and, um, you know, as uh, the technology has gotten better, it's true that now, you know, we need to go back to some of those users and say, hey, the technology is continuing to improve. And even today, you know, it is definitely not where we want it to be. Um, you know, when it comes down to uh, capturing that, you know, that 16th of an inch accuracy, we can't get there right now. Um, you know, the, the, the combination of CV and LiDAR just isn't there yet. Um, so that's why the, the application of this is much more about capturing existing conditions and things like that. But you're not going to be able to use 
use any combination of LIDAR or CV to say install cabinets uh, or, or measure down to a 16th of an inch. Someday we hope to be able to do that. Someday we hope the technology is there. And someday we hope to get all of those customers who want to use us for that use case. But yeah, as technology continues to evolve, you know, we have to, um, we're sort of solving uh, an increasing subset of problems at each stage uh, that, that we go to. Yeah, I, I have no doubt that someday it will be even more accurate than 16th of an inch. The, the way technology is is evolving and, and progressing, uh, it, no doubt that it, that it will be there. Let's take a break to thank our sponsors for their support of this episode. As architecture demand increases toward pre-pandemic levels and beyond, how are you and your architecture firm keeping up? RCAT is here to help. RCAT.com offers several free tools to help architecture and design firms like yours get work done faster. Use RCAT's powerful search engine to find the right products for your projects and download BIM, CAD, and specifications right there on the same page without needing to pay or register. It's free. RCAT.com also offers product videos, catalogs, green reports, product certification information, outline and short form specification generation, and so much more. Visit RCAT.com today. RCAT.com is your one-stop solution to help increase your productivity and get more projects done faster. That's RCAT.com, A-R-C-A-T.com. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, track your time for your whole team, buy project, and get organized with financial reports, communication, and notifications. My favorite feature in FreshBooks is the automated invoice reminders. I think sending invoices and getting paid is one of the biggest barriers to our success as entrepreneur architects. Who has the time? But if we don't send out the invoices, we don't get paid, right? FreshBooks makes it easy to send out your invoices and get paid fast online with a click of a button. And when your client doesn't pay you on time, FreshBooks will send them a friendly email reminder through a simple system that you control. Sign up for a free 30-day unrestricted trial and get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid faster. Go to entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks and enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. So today somebody downloads the app from the App Store. Um, what, how accurate is it how how you know, like how accurate can they expect it to be yeah so it's it's on average 99% accurate and it really depends on a lot of things so we say that's that's an average of course you know there's use cases where you can imagine where you know you're getting down to you're only able to get down to an inch or maybe a half inch accuracy and there's other use cases where you can get a lot more accurate um, it really all depends on kind of what you're scanning and how the scan looks and so on but on average um, we're getting to roughly 99% accuracy. Um, 
certainly uh, we've got, uh, as we continue to put out uh, new versions of the product, we're always, always working on that accuracy algorithm and always, always working on improving that. Um, but, uh, but right now, you know, it's, it's, it's good enough to where, you know, you can build an as-built from it where you can capture existing conditions. You know, you can certainly get um, pretty accurate measurements and reasonably accurate measurements for say, you know, widths of, uh, of doorways and, uh, you know, dimensions of rooms and, you know, what is the area of this floor and so on. Enough that you might need to know to figure out where you're going to move walls and, and what a, you know, what a kitchen might look like, for example. Yeah, thinking about the workflow of a typical small firm architecture project, it probably would be a great tool to very quickly get to schematic design, right? So you get this project, you sign the contract, you could jump right into the project the next day with, with Canvas, do your scan, get the CAD file ready to go. You know it's not going to be perfect, but it's enough to start you know, sketching on it and understanding the, the project, being able to produce some preliminary ideas for a client, uh, and then be able to use that model, go back and, and check on some measurements, make sure it's more accurate, uh, and then roll it into, you know, the production, you know, the design side and, you know, the, when you get into the details and into the construction side of it all. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's that whole workflow that, you you know, that we think about, you know, we, we call it the customer journey is what is the journey of an architect? What's the journey of our, some of our other customers and how they're going through thinking about, you know, how would they solve this problem without our product? And then what are some of the areas that we can um, that we can improve for them right now you're right you know we're only addressing you know a small part of that of that journey there's certainly a lot in terms of visualization there's a lot in terms of um you know uh furthering the design of that project for a contractor you can imagine that a lot of what they want to do is they want to um you know they want to be able to sell and gain more business um, so that's sort of part of the journey that, that we ultimately want to get into for them as well. So there's, there's a lot more of this journey that we want to get into. And that's why it's useful for us to talk to a lot of architects and kind of understand, you know, well, what are the problems that you have day to day? What are the problems that we can, that we can solve for you? Cause we, we're only solving one, one small piece of that right now. Yeah. Is there, is there a place where you, are the listeners, you're talking to thousands of small firm architects right now. So is there a place, uh, at canvas that they can reach out to you with the ideas and, and suggestions? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so first of all, um, they can always see the see the product itself at canvas.io. But I always welcome emails um, from users directly. I'm Kevin at occipital.com. Uh, and if that's hard to remember, Kevin at canvas.io will also get to me. I love it when people send me emails. And in fact, um, you know, one of the uh, get it getting back to my you know love love of Apple for a second and and how it how it, that sort of formed who I am, you know I was always impressed that uh, that you know Steve Jobs responded to emails personally all the time you know even like I I was fortunate to meet him once but uh, anytime I dropped him an email he just always wrote back which I I thought was amazing, um, so I as you know CEO of this company I love hearing from customers I want to hear from customers I frankly want to get emails from customers every day saying, Hey, can you build this? Can you focus on this? I have this problem, you know, here's a problem of mine you can fix, or can you talk to me? Why don't you come on site, watch what I do and see some of the problems that I have, and then you can build better products from that. And that's, that's what product management is all about. That's what building products is all about is we want to, we want to truly understand what customers problems are. So we, we can build technology that's useful for them. All right. Well, if you, if you've used, used canvas or have suggestions, uh, for Kevin, reach out to him by email. We'll have a, we'll have those email addresses or one of those email addresses in the show notes, so you can do that. Uh, just go to the show notes for this episode, and and you'll be able to to link that up. Um, I'm just curious about 
the structure sensor, using it for structure with medical, I want to just divert a little bit away from architecture right now and just understand how it's being used for the medical side. Yeah. Yeah. So what the, what the medical community is doing. So if you think about, um, uh, so we largely work with orthotics and prosthetics and the doctors that serve, uh, serve those patients and the fabricators that make those orthotics and prosthetics. So you think about something, uh, a common medical issue. You know, you, you go see your doctor and say, I have foot pain, you know, uh, Hey doctor, can you help me out? My foot hurts a lot when I walk. Doctor takes a look and says, all right, you have plantar fasciitis. Well, what happened back in the day is to get, you know, things like custom insoles or, or maybe even custom made, made footwear that can, you know, help with this problem. You know, the patient would have to step into this clay box that would, you know, uh, basically firm up around the person's foot and take an accurate mold. That clay box has to then be shipped back to the fabricator. And the fabricator then has to make, uh, has to design and make those custom made insoles for that patient. It's an extraordinarily long process. It involves multiple visits to the doctor um, because you have to get the box first that's full of, full of all that clay. Um, and it's naturally, you know, you're spending that both the doctor and the fabricator are spending a lot of money and time uh, on, uh, on parts of the process that really aren't serving the patient. And of course, you can guess who pays for them. The patient ends up paying for them eventually. Um, so what we've done is what the structure sensor will do is the doctor can hook up that sensor to an iPad and take a scan of that patient's foot um, right there in the office, um, potentially on the first visit. Um, that scan gets sent electronically to the fabricator and the fabricator is able to make uh, those custom-made insoles for that patient. Um, it makes the process a lot faster, makes it a lot smoother. It's less prone to error because it doesn't involve, you know, physical, uh, you know, physical action and so on. Um, and uh, it, it's frankly, it's kind of cool. You know, patients see that and they yeah. say, wow, this is, this is really interesting. Um, so that, and there's lots of other use cases to, as well, but that's, that's sort of one of the most common. Yeah, that's fascinating. I, you know, I, I, every time I, I'm on this podcast, I'm talking to somebody like you, I'm just so grateful that I'm living at this time in history. It's just so fascinating the things that are being developed while we're sitting here talking. Yeah, you know, it's it's super exciting. I, I agree. You know, it's I just um, as I think back to the technology we had, you know, when I was growing up and working yeah. the program, uh, just how far we've come. You know, the uh, one one of the reasons it's funny you mentioned. You know, that one of the reasons I, I went to uh, to UCSD was was when I um, when I went on a tour of the campus. Um, I got to see where one of uh, four National Science Foundation supercomputers were sitting. It was basically the, the foundation, like the, the backbone of the internet. Um, and uh, the, the machine was called a Cray, um, one of the one of the you know first supercomputers. And I saw it and it was just it was just so exciting seeing it in living color and, and right there in front of me. And now this giant machine that took up basically the space of a room, you could fill, you know, you could fill a small bedroom with a Cray. Um, that supercomputing power is now in your pocket on your phone. Yeah, right. Uh, and that's exciting about technology is that it just keeps on, you know, getting better and better and faster and faster. And, and you can do things like, you know, uh, scanning feet or scanning houses and and how these applications that um, that we never could do uh, we never could do previously. And you think about well, where are we going to be in thirty years or forty years? Uh, and, um, it's just, it's sort of just mind blowing to think about what that, what that journey might look like. Yeah. And that's my next question. While you're, while you're talking about that, 
what's the future? What's the future of occipital? Where where does Canvas go from here? Where does Structure go from here? Yeah. So um, so I'll talk about Canvas first. So Canvas, if you think about the journey of a house, you know, houses are uh, planned. They are built. They are bought. They're financed. They're insured. They're sold. They're remodeled, and they're sold again. That's the journey of, that a house goes through. We're addressing a tiny sliver of that journey. You know, we're only addressing um, the home improvement uh, customer right now. We're addressing architects, interior designers, general contractors, and so on. There's a whole lot uh, that goes into a house beyond that, and eventually, we want to expand out and and address that entire that entire journey. You know, there's there's a use case for having your phone or having you know your home be right in your pocket. Um, whether you are shopping for a new couch and you want to see if it's going to if it's going to fit in your house, or whether you're you know uh, refinancing your house and you want to basically provide all the information instantly uh, to the bank, um, or whether you're uh, planning a remodel or even selling your house, you know having that entire home that home the whole model in your pocket is really really powerful and uh, that's ultimately where we where we see us going. Um, in terms of structure, you know. We want to continue to solve problems for um, for doctors and, and patients. Um, we are, when it comes to that technology, um, we're only addressing a small uh, a small uh, area that we could actually be doing so because the technology for scanning um, people's limbs and scanning people's bodies and so on, the technology for that is very 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 specific, and we have to write the code that we have to write has to be pretty much tailored to that specific use case. So you can imagine. You know, moving beyond, um, uh, you know, moving beyond just scanning feet and things like that to all these other use cases that are um, that are important to the medical community, that are important to to orthotics and prosthetics doctors. You know, there's um, wound care and wound uh, documentation and things like that. Um, all these other areas that uh, are very manual processes for doctors and for um, for everybody else. Uh, that is in their ecosystem, and we want to solve all of those problems. Yeah, fascinating. It's it's interesting how that your technology uh, started as the same technology, and then it then it was applied to these two different applications, and you can actually see it diverging, right? That that one the technology is moving in one direction for homes and construction, and in another direction for for medical uses, and eventually probably it ends up in very different places, but it all starts in the same place. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it all goes back to just, you know, that that happens because, you know, we don't decide what we build. Our customers do. Our customers tell us, you know, this is the problem I have. And, and you know, here's a problem I have. And then we end up building something that solves their problem. And that's why I, I love hearing from customers directly. You know, I want to I want to know what problems they have, because, you know, I'm, I'm not going to know what problem to solve without hearing from them. And um, Canvas came about specifically from our customers saying, Hey, you should do this. You should solve this problem for me, uh, and ultimately, that's how that's how a lot of technology comes about. Yeah, yeah, super interesting. I, you know, I'm interested in technology. I'm interested in in, in people, and I'm I'm really interested. I, I'm really fascinated about the time that we're living in and how all these different technologies are starting to to almost converge into you know it's becoming like you said, having the house in your pocket. Right, that's literally what's going to happen. There's going to be a digital twin on your phone that everything that's in your house is also in your in your pocket on the computer. Um, so you can actually, you want to know what's on your 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 nightstand in your bedroom? You can actually 
slide, you know, pick up the phone and you can actually see what's there uh, at any time. It, it's amazing the technology, where it is, and, and, and the, the capabilities of what it has to take us for tomorrow. Um, super interesting, Kevin. Thanks for coming by and, and talking to us about Occipital and the projects that you have going on there. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to ask you the one question that I ask everybody here. Um, this is a question that I always love to ask because you always get different uh, different answers to this. What's one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? Yeah, love this question, by the way. Um, I would say, you know, focus on the areas of the business that, that give you the most flex, you know, that, that are going to be uh, most helpful to the business. You know, the areas that matter most to the business are getting clients and delivering something they want. But, you know, so much else goes into building a business, you know, keeping the company's books and running payroll, for example. Um, the more you can outsource or, or delegate those tertiary areas, um, the more you can focus on the things that, that really matter to the business. And technology is one of those things that, that can help with, uh, with this in a lot of areas, whether it's, you know, outsourcing staff or hiring remote or, you know, generating as-builts quickly and painlessly. Leaning into technology can, can help you focus on what, what matters most to the business. And, and ultimately, you know, focusing on the on the core business itself is is going to help um, entrepreneurs uh, continue to feel passionate about about building a company. Yeah, super. I'm hoping you're listening. I'm hope listen and go back and listen to that again, my friends, because that is a, a very very important thing to understand. Focus on the things that you do well and that your clients want from you, and get somebody else to do everything else. Um, that's coming from a CEO of a successful tech company. Uh, go back and rewind and listen to it again. Kevin, I appreciate you for sharing that. Uh, his name is Kevin Stevens. The company is Occipital. Uh, the product is Canvas. You can learn more about it at canvas.io. Um, and you can go on the App Store right now. You can search for Canvas LiDAR 3D measurements. There's a bunch of canvases in there. You're looking for Canvas LiDAR 3D measurements. Uh, that will get you to the app. Download it. Check it out. It's amazing. It's magic. You should go check it out. Uh, Kevin, thank you very much for coming by. Thank you for all you're doing uh, for our, our industry. Uh, this is making our jobs as architects easier so we can focus on the things that we love to do as architects. Um, I appreciate you for coming by and sharing your knowledge at Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks, Mark. I really appreciate you having me, and thank you so much. It's been great to be here. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a rating, write a review, and share a link to this episode with a friend. That's how Entree Architect Podcast will grow to serve thousands more architects just like you. Thanks to our sponsors, FreshBooks and RCAT for their support of this episode. Links to our sponsors and all the resources we discussed today are available at the show notes for this episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entree Architect is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network. Gable Media is curated thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And check out Entree Architect Academy membership. Ready to edit business resources, live monthly business training for architects, a supportive architect community, and Simple Systems, our business system program developed for you, the small firm architect. It's all waiting for you at Entree Architect Academy membership, including 
AIA Continuing Education Learning Units. Come join me and hundreds of your entrepreneur architect friends at entrearchitect.com slash join. Enroll today at entrearchitect.com slash join. Thanks for listening today. Love, learn, and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. (laughs) So for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together.
Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.